Hello and welcome to the November 16th, 2010 Game and Player Podcast. This fortnight, Veterans Day, it's a remembrance of service. Is it a call to duty? We'll have an earnest first look at Connect. We'll discuss what no masternauts mean for spontaneous gameplay and everybody loves rock band, right? Hi there, this is Michael Ubaldi. I'm here with James Day, Jessica Johnson, and Ed Kirchgesner, who, right before the podcast, requested that he be referred to as Thunder. Thunder. We're going to start with uh, you, Ed, uh, Veterans Day. Yes, sir, yes. Um, yeah, I was uh, sitting around the office this week, and um, one of my coworkers and I were talking about Call of Duty. He's not a gamer. And his dad clearly isn't either, but he and his dad are watching television. They see an ad for the new Call of Duty game, Black Ops, where you know every everyone can be a soldier. Or I can't remember what is the exact tagline. Anybody remember it? Something along those lines. Uh, everyone's a soldier, or everyone's at war. But anyways, throughout this ad, you see just the everyman. Everybody is shooting the crap out of everybody else. You've got a banker. You've got a a line chef. You've got all these people just in an action scene shooting at one another. And, you know, it's pretty funny. It's actually a, a, a well-done ad, except it was running on Veterans Day. <laughs> and one has to ask themselves, what really was Activision thinking by releasing this game this week? They could have done it a week before. They could have done it a week after. It would have been just the same. But no, they choose chose Veterans Day or the week of Veterans Day to release this game. And is that mildly inappropriate? I don't know. A lot of veterans groups think, think, think that it is. So There's a certain amount of reverence, I think, and uh, eschewing of uh, the, the celebration of war in general that games can be construed as, I think. I mean, obviously, there, there is a level of uh, trivialization uh, in terms, I guess, of the the multiplayer, um, I mean, it's not a it's not a mockery of it, and and the historical aspects, and if there are narrative elements that remind uh, players of the, uh, the the gravity of these situations, then sometimes it can be a very useful learning tool. Of course, there is the the question of of whether it was cynicism, uh, uh, pure cynicism on the part of Activision that knew that there would be a controversy, and thus news coverage, and thus uh, free advertising. Bobby Kotick, the uh, chairman of Activision, said last week uh, as well that, um, on a related note, that he regards the Call of Duty series as a, um, as a what's the word, sort of a commemoration of um, U.S. forces or something. Um, again, that could be quite a controversial thing to say. Is that uh, why one of them was in a terrorist action in Russia? Is that... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we I look back uh, fondly to this uh, slaughter of innocence. <laughs> mm, I don't know. No, I, I, I think that... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jess. Oh, no, I was just going to throw in... Um, I remember reading this interview uh, on Penny Arcade that um, Mike had done with his grandfather, who was a veteran, and he wanted to know what he thought about these games where people were reenacting... Um, past wars and basically just shooting each other and he was kind of appalled by it well not kind of he he really thought it was a sad thing that you know people would want to shoot each other for fun and you know he he's not somebody who plays those games clearly but you know when you just say you know what do you think about these games where people are uh in war simulations shooting each other and they're having a good time and it just you know based on his experience with a real war, it just, you know, he couldn't imagine why you would want to do that for fun. I think these games run into trouble when they begin to place themselves on the level of actual historical events. If you're, I mean, because go back to comic books in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Oh yeah, Sergeant Rock, for crying out loud. Well, well, I, I'm just talking about the advertisements. Flip through, flip through pages, and what did you see? Uh, the, the 
I actually used to uh, mail in uh, money to these places that were long defunct, but they'd sell you these chests of army men. And what period were these army men from? The Second World War. Uh, possibly the uh, the Korean. I actually remember seeing uh, certain tanks that were in service during Vietnam. It wasn't directly related to Vietnam, but it was a reference to American uh, uh, military power. And it was just taken as, of, and I don't think inappropriately, a desire for American males or Western males to act out certain roles. And in this case, it was the military. So now if you're to say, hey, these are recreational games, they depict combat, people who play them don't really take them seriously. And obviously they're going to take a step back and offer admiration and uh, a degree of pause when addressing the real conflicts, which weren't fun, didn't involve respawns, and were uh, uh, surrounded by a great deal of fear and uncertainty uh, on, on the part of those who participated, um, then that's fine. But when you, I think you have the equation of one to the other, and people, like, I, I, I see people with gamer tags that that refer to, to all these military actions, and I, I think it's especially common among serial players of modern warfare they start to really think that they're that they're soldiers that starts to get weird exactly well (laughs) like well ed with you it's a little bit more of of uh your relation to odin and uh norse norse heroism um but both of us sport blonde hair yeah and of course we can't exactly rule out the fact that you're sitting in a loincloth right now uh, <laughs> it's comfortable and it's Sunday. What do you want? Um, Glad this isn't a video podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Um, have you seen Ed's touched- pectorals? Uh, I can't say I have. Going <laughs> <Come> on. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think um, we've hit on a, a, an interesting point that um, just this sort of the military and wars is, is kind of just a facet of. How entertainment in a way. I mean, you were talking about toy soldiers when uh, myself and my brother were really young. We were into uh, mi- the military micro machines. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, we. it's not just toys. It's other entertainment um, mediums like film and television. Uh, I don't think games can really be pointed to, you know, specifically in, in this case. It just seems to be ingrained in Western and I'd imagine global culture, really. Um Oh yeah, I'd say for centuries, war play has been integral, particularly for boys, but even for some girls. I mean, mm-hmm. there people have an innate desire to act out in these ways, and yeah, it, I, I, I think it's completely natural. You know, I play with GI Joes. I ran around my neighborhood with toy guns. You know, between the ages of eight and eleven, like a madman, sure. and. I turned out like a functioning member of society. So in a way, I kind of look at these as an extension of war play. But um, I, I think the, the sad thing is, I mean, video games since their inception have involved shooting. You know, look at Space War. What was your objective? Blow the other guy up. The difference is that as graphics have, have improved and the ability to actually have a narrative has come about, you know, now we have settings and realistic depictions of warfare, which didn't exist five or ten years ago. So really, that's the only thing that is a hang-up. Yeah, and I might... The nature of games doesn't change at all. I might say the potential to offend comes where there is that that conflation of the simulation and and something real, where... See what I'm saying? It it almost tries to supplant the, 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 the actual phenomenon or or maybe try to replace or or equate war coverage or something and 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 that happens i think in these very very specific events uh of being sold um knowingly i think uh on veterans day or near or around that they that they do try to almost ride on the coattails of of something quite different I think we have to take into account as well that any time something it becomes as popular as Call of Duty, 
someone is going to try and call it out and uh, you know decry its values and uh, blame that it's corrupting the children. So you know, in any medium at all. Um, I mean, it's always been Grand Theft Auto in the past. Um, so it's it's going to be something or another that people are finding controversial, even if it you know most people think it it isn't. Mm-hmm. I think a good example of that in other media would be uh, my childhood where I was not allowed to watch The Simpsons for I can't tell you how long. <laughs> and really? then, yeah, I was not allowed to watch The Simpsons. Why is that? And, like, because my parents felt that it was an inappro- inappropriate show for, for children to watch, you know, but I thought it was funny. But, you know, there's that many levels of humor in that kind of a show. But then my other example is, um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with uh, Gem. It was a popular cartoon. Oh, yeah. Gem and the the holograms. Parallel to the the Silverhawks. Yeah, of course. I watch it every morning during the (laughs) summer. Well, I used to watch that show. How about the dolls? (laughs) (laughs) I'm playing with them right now. I, I used to watch that show all the time, and I loved it because of the music and everything. And then one episode had to do with uh, a friend um, who had a some kind of um, substance abuse problem. I I can't remember. I think it was alcoholism. And that was sorry, that's the, not funny. That's that funny. was the last. Like that was it for my mother. I was not allowed to watch Jim after that anymore because. A character had like a real life uh, problem. Like I didn't realize that Jem addressed social issues. <laughs> me neither. But I mean, look at other Come cartoons. Come on, Ed. Like. You've got to get on the front of the magazine. That's <laughs> that's important. Uh. But you know how? But you know, it's okay for me to watch a show where animals beat the crap out of each other with pans and other kinds of horrific things. They get caught up. They're just. <laughs> You just think about it. It's like think of all the weird comical things they do in those cartoons and that's that wasn't too, you know, um I don't know what the word is. I'm trying to think of. I mean, but, you know, corrosive. They, yeah. It's like I would have had no idea what an alcoholism problem was when I was 8. It wouldn't have mattered at that time. But, you know, when I see like characters chopping each other up into little bits or setting each other on fire you know that's something that visually means something to me but when it's just you know a situation about people you know when you're little you just don't understand so i just it's just it's amusing to me where parents will draw the line with something like that or what offends people Mm -hmm. when that is true dismemberment is universal Yes, see, (laughs) I think that that's, that is recognized by all animals that are intelligent enough to notice that that is bad. You do not want to be cut up into little pieces. Okay, I don't know where I was going with that. Unless you're like a troll and you regenerate or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, maybe lizards are fine with it, but. Exactly. So, I mean, I can understand something like Call of Duty coming out on the week of veterans day. Cause that's something that is extremely serious, but there are other things that just kind of blow my mind. I don't know. No. And I, I definitely respect the, you know, the, 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 the idea that this could be, that there are better times perhaps to release this game. I think that's a, actually, that's what it is. It's just not sharing the same stage. There's nothing wrong with, with entertainment that is, that is, uh, uh, based on the military, and I think the, the, the latitude for tastefulness is very wide, and there's very, very little that falls outside of that that has any kind of mainstream following. But I would be one to think that uh, Robbie Kotick's statement rings a little false. So, Jess, you've been playing Connect. So, yeah, I've been playing um, the Connect games. It didn't take very long to set up or anything. I think I'm most impressed by the slight bit of um, integration into the dash, probably more than anything. Um, it It is kind of fun to use now. Although I don't like the fact that you have to go to like a separate connect dash 
on the Xbox to do oh, anything. It's not really? integrated with the regular one. Correct. So Basically, why did they design you... the whole dashboard then? I don't get that. Hmm? Why did they redesign the whole dashboard recently in the last patch if like the Kinect stuff is separate? That's very strange. Because, James, clearly you yeah. were bored with it. <laughs> <laughs> they got your letter, it. James. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no uh, interaction at all with the main dash, even for voice commands. Um, from the main dash, if you want to do voice commands, you basically have to tell it to go to the connect dashboard and from there you can tell it to do things have you tried or you <laughs> the only problem that i have found was uh, playing music because supposedly it's supposed to be able to pick up your voice pattern even though music's playing through the speakers but i have yet to get it to actually respond to me in any way hmm. i i've been yelling at it stop or pause <laughs> and i can't imagine what my neighbors must think of me but uh yeah <laughs> But uh, the games for it are, they're mostly, you know, the casual type Wii sports genre. And it is fun in in terms of that. And uh, I went to a, a party recently where we played the new rock band um, uh, game with the keyboard attachment and that was pretty popular although nobody really everybody kind of tried it once but then we eventually moved on to connect sports which is pretty much like uh the old world-class track and field from the nintendo power pad days yeah the power pad yep yeah it was it really was just like that and and i really loved that um because they did like you could do single sports where they had bowling and ping pong and uh, I think there was boxing and things like that. But then they you could do like the the actual like Olympic sports of running and long jump and they had javelin toss and uh, hurdles, which they're all very interesting, just in terms of what you actually do physically in front of the camera to to run like. Uh, to run faster, you need to lift your knees up higher. You don't necessarily have to actually run in place faster. So okay. watching other people trying to figure that out, even though you're instructed to do so on the screen intuitively, you still try to run faster in place. But, you know, so that's kind of a fun thing, a f- phenomenon to, to watch. Uh but I think the most impressive use of the actual Connect device itself would be the Dance Central game and Your Shape Fitness. Oh, please tell us about the dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it because I love dancing, but um, I can imagine it's not going to be the most popular game out there. Uh, Which is the same, really, because every video I saw of people playing that game, it, it looked like an absolute blast. I can't dance to save my life, but I love to dance. So, um, yeah, I, I would like to try it at some point. If you want to learn to dance, that's definitely the way to go. There's a You can either perform the, the dance and just go by the flashcards on the screen, or there's a break it down menu where you go. And it'll have you just try each individual move over and over again until you do it correctly. And so it, it does teach you to actually do the moves. Um, so it's You know, that's impressive is, because a game like Dance Dance Revolution, the actual... Didn't teach you crap. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> the act of dancing was incidental to your feet touching buttons on the floor at prescribed times in, in, uh, in the musical play. Whereas this, I mean, you could you could be a punch press, and uh, uh, with with DDR, but this you actually have to. I'm guessing your 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 wireframe has to match their wireframe. Oh yeah, exactly. And they have like a little screen that shows what they see, what the camera sees you doing, and so you can see just by looking at that, and it's right next to the their little flashcards that kind of demonstrate the move that you're supposed to be doing so you can see like am i really putting my arm up where it needs to be that sort of thing it's really interesting do i actually find kind of i was gonna say i find it interesting that that connect and these dance games jumped right into home and was never in the arcades in the same way that ddr was um 
not saying it's a missed opportunity or something, but it, you just almost would have thought that as complicated as Connect seems, that it first would have appeared in more of a, an industrial or like a, a large-scale entertainment setting and not in the living room. Mm-hmm. It well, could have you- been that, that focus groups gave Microsoft the answers that they needed. And they figured that they could make uh, a profit by selling it directly to the home. And it could also be that uh, even though they were rudimentary in the grand scheme of uh, having people dance, a game like DDR blazed the trail and proved that this kind of genre does have appeal. Mm -hmm. I think if you put something like Connect in a a public setting, there'd be... Too many variables that might mess up the, uh, the the camera, you know, even if it's just griefers jumping in front of you while you're, you know, trying to uh, play Dance Central Arcade or something. Um, True. It might not work that well outside the home. And actually, that's one question I had, Jessica. You didn't have very many problems setting up the Connect in your living room, did you? Was there any furniture moving you needed to do or anything? Uh, yes, I definitely had to move my couch. Uh, it, it's kind of tricky. Like, I think there's this, you know, ideal distance that most people put their couch in front of their TV. And from what I've heard from other people, everybody seems to have it right in the area where you're supposed to be standing to play your Kinect games. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, yes, I mean... Traditionally, one sits to watch television. They don't stand yes. to watch television. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, actually, Chris and I the other day were trying to figure out if there was an ideal arrangement of our furniture that would require like the smallest amount of actual movement of things. And so I think what, what it comes down to is just being able to turn our television a certain angle so that we have just a large, about a 10 foot spread of floor space with nothing that's in the way. Cause that's basically what you need to do anything. We actually turned on our night vision um, on our camcorder. Oh, nice. Because it's all um, infrared. And we could see the field of view that the Kinect is using. And it it really is, like, far away. So, it, I mean, while it, it wants to be able to capture, like, enough, like, height at the same time as getting a... I guess it's trying to... Um, That's unsettlingly like HAL 9000. <laughs> <laughs> Just slipping that in there. Go on. Would you like to play a game? Yes. <laughs> what are you doing, Jess? Well, you know what, what freaked me out, the, as soon as I plugged it in, it, it followed me. It like knew where yeah. to point it where I was standing and just to see me. And I was like, wow, you, you, you really can like just follow people oh and we did the video connect thing and it will focus in on your face if chris and i are both sitting on the couch it zooms out to include both of us but if i stand up and get closer to the connect it'll zoom in on my face and maybe this is a poor example but i thought well okay i wonder what else it'll zoom in on so i pretended (laughs) Uh to moon it and it did zoom in on my rear but it was it was like (laughs) wow (laughs) okay so yeah, <laughs> it'll really get scary when you when the two of you sit on a couch and you place a mannequin beside Ooh. you, and it zooms in only on the two of you. <laughs> that would be scary. Yes, Man. or maybe I should experiment with my cat, but uh, <laughs> going somewhere and I don't remember just, now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking how many issues I had setting up my living room for the Wii. And, you know, that's so much less complex. But whenever I have people over to play Wii, it's like, you know, I might as well hire movers to shift <laughs> all my couches around because it just it doesn't work. I either the shape of my room is too long, it's not square enough. And yeah, I can just imagine Connect being a big pain in my butt. But um mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious about it. But um yeah, as of yet, I've just had too many bad experiences with motion gaming to um hop aboard the bandwagon, but it, it's a ridiculously awesome technology. Yeah, I'm really hoping that in the future they will improve uh, just the the physical range that you can use it in. Because it, it has so much potential. I mean, it oh, is a completely, totally. completely different piece of hardware than anything else that's out there. And I'm just, you know, I'm glad to have it now. And yeah, it's kind of buggy and not that, well, not buggy, but just... Uh, 
what's the right word? Um, Finicky. Yes, it's it's a little difficult. Temperamental. Yeah, maybe awkward just with all the furniture moving, but uh, I think it has a lot of promise. Inconvenient. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. (laughs) Inconvenient. Well, because now, I mean, hell, you can. All you need is a is a television in a corner, and you pick up your controller and you play. Whereas this, you need a a a, a space that's probably subject to uh, uh, specifications. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you know, should probably be ten feet wide and seven feet long, something like that. I think my main uh, problem with the Connect is the there's there's like a two player limit, isn't there? Um, it can't track more than two people for. In-game use is that right? Uh, correct. Yeah, and so. you have to have like the ideal space to even have two people at yeah, one time. Yeah. So if you have anything less than like eight feet between you and your television, chances are you won't be able to have more than two people play anything. So, I mean, two people. Yeah. God. But even for that. a novelty, I mean, what a novelty! It seems to have swept up quite a lot of people. Mm. Mm-hmm. But uh, novelty is something that doesn't necessarily appeal to me. I like old and strange things. And uh, in revisiting uh, one of my obsessions, which is the Half-Life 2 uh, uh, family, Half-Life 2, Half-Life 2 Episode 1 and Half-Life 2 Episode 2, I decided in my replaying of Half-Life 2 Episode 2 to try the achievement Little Rocket Man. Now this involves You're sick bastard. <laughs> I know, I know. I it, I I wasn't sure I would I would be able to do it or if I would even try. Um even reading about it kind of turned my stomach. Uh it involves going through uh I'd say about 80 to 90% of episode 2 which lasts between 4 and 6 hours depending on uh, how quickly you play it uh and the, the level of difficulty picking up a uh garden gnome that is uh, under a cot in some ruined uh, uh, building about 10 minutes into the adventure and uh, dropping this little fellow off inside a uh, a rocket bound for orbit about four to five hours later. Now, the interesting thing about uh, Half-Life 2 is uh, that you don't have inventory, per se, for objects. You actually have to hold it, which means uh, you actually have uh, Gordon Freeman pick it up and have it as per Valve's engine just float in front of you, or you use something called the, uh, for short, the gravity gun, which is this uh, extra-dimensional device which uh, attracts, holds, or propels objects. And it is Pick not... Pick up the can. It, exactly. <laughs> it is not easy. Uh, I can see where Valve designed some of these uh, uh, these levels, these challenges and puzzles and such, uh, for this achievement, or at least for for use with the gravity gun, and I think they, I'm, I'm sure in beta testing, they probably made some uh, some changes to ensure that someone would be able to carry this this little little guy all the way. But it's because it's so counterintuitive to the way that the game should be played. Um, one uh, one example would be uh, this this part where you're being chased by this gigantic bug, which can kill Gordon Freeman in two hits, easily. Uh, And you need to sprint, but you can't sprint when you're carrying something. And often in this, in this section, you're on these, these uh, uh, precipices, these, these natural catwalks, which uh, uh, really limit your mobility and, and give you very few options. Uh, You're forced to do things like take the gravity gun and propel the gnome, just launch it in front of you, then run to it and pick it up again, then launch it again. Or, uh, in the section where you're driving this this uh, uh, gutted muscle car and being chased by a, uh, a hunter chopper, this this attack helicopter, um, you have to actually stuff the the gnome inside the car. Trouble is, is the car was never designed to accommodate the gnome, which means you have to just deal with with clipping issues. And as uh, this fellow who wrote this memorable account, this this picture blog on having completed the the achievement he said it's basically this this screwed up version of speed this this particular section where you can't go, you can't go too fast and you can't make sudden turns otherwise the gnome will go flying but you can't go too slow otherwise the the helicopter which alternatively uh uh alternately excuse me uh 
fires a a Gatling gun at you or drops these these bombs which explode on impact or explode on a timer will will kill you with one or the other. Now, granted, um, Sandra Bullock also isn't screaming at you through the whole experience. Though. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it's 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 incredible. But w- what it did more for me was remind me why I think I'm so drawn to Valve Valve's games and Valve's design principles in general. I have never been so forced to through the vicarious power of first person shooters, the first person perspective to carry out acts that I thought were impossible. So many times the inner, the inner voice in my head has, has said, you are, you're kidding me. You, you don't want me to do this. I cannot believe I have to do this to, to, to pass this level. And I do it. Um, and it, most games, I think the, the action is so prescribed that it, and, and say the, the engine doesn't have uh, physics where there are, interactions which actually do uh, uh react similarly to real life you're 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 not mentally affected by it as much it's like a prefrontal cortex explosion it's I, the 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 concept and the consequences are just mind-blowing and to to experience that on this level um of, of, of trucking this 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 poor little gnome everywhere uh it's Really a new, uh, unique experience, even three years on. It's only three years? I thought uh, Half-Life 2 was older than that. Well, then not Episode 2, I guess. Exactly. Ha- uh, episode 2 came out with the Orange Box in October of 2007. Wow. Good Lord. So, Where's Episode 3? I know. <laughs> yeah. You've got um, to wonder. But to your point, um, you saw this whole... Th- um, phenomenon kind of reminds me of uh something that used to be a segment in a nintendo magazine i, I used to read they that is it's kind of in their tips section uh, it was called like uh new ways to play like people would conjure up you know new weird things they could do i most of them seemed to be like um golden eye like different modes you if you had enough players together you could uh invent your own game types um that obviously the developers didn't have any idea that you could do but Again, it's like a sort of subversive experience from uh, what the developers originally intended. Emergent behavior. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously Valve put the put that achievement in there. They kind of uh, they must have designed it so the you know, did, well, did they actually change much of the levels? Do you reckon, or design it around um, uh, the gnome at all? Um, I I'm sure they didn't design it around the gnome, but I wouldn't be surprised if the nature of certain of certain elements and perhaps uh, certain distances, things like that, may have been adjusted with the gnome in mind. Now, certainly, I, I learned that you can both carry something with the gravity gun and climb a ladder at the same time. Because at one point, I fell in this this deep pool. I mean, we're talking in in game terms, two hundred feet. And I thought, oh great, do I have to go back to a saved game? How far back do I have to go? I even tried launching the gnome straight up to see if he'd cleared the top and, and end up on the, on the ledge that was 200 feet, uh, ascendant. But in fact, I could pick the, the, the damn little thing up and, and ascend myself. Uh, so it really could have ended up a, a, a happy coincidence. Um, and, and valve would be able to pat itself on the back for making such a, a reliable and, and resilient and flexible engine. Well, the engine is to this, I mean, it's, it, it is an amazing engine. Um, is the sort of things that thing that you would expect to see in like a physics classroom at the high school level, you know, just people messing around with the engine sandbox style. Quite, quite honestly, I mean, I, I've thought about you know the 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 way that that engine behaves so dependably. I, the only parallel I can maybe think of is uh, to a certain extent Forge in Halo, but even there, it's not quite as refined. Yeah, not as uncanny in its realism. Um, to to your point, James. I think perhaps that emergent behavior had a response from the developers who, with achievements, either uh, uh, took preemptive action on what they thought would be emergent behavior, or in the testing process, perhaps, in usually internal, but I'm sure sometimes uh, with, with closed betas and the like, 
they'll see people do do things and they'll they'll think wow this is cool the person reports they had fun wouldn't this be great to reward yeah it'd be fascinating to find out um who's kind of responsible for the gnome thing was it just a a random developer who threw it in there for fun and then you know showed the higher ups and they were like well yeah we can leave that in there and make it an achievement um i guess we'll never know though yeah <laughs> it's amazing all we know is that uh Vince Lombardi confirmed that uh, to to the author of this of this uh, weblog uh, a few years ago that uh, yes indeed you have to take this gnome through the whole mission. <laughs> <laughs> Are you feeling miss- closer to the gnome, Mike? Is it- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't have as uh, dynamic a emotion an emotional response as the author of this weblog i have not been moved to <laughs> to to curses and, uh, and and screaming in any way a lot of his uh a lot of his uh, uh sarcasm and humor uh i think uh says it all for the gnome but it is funny just to lay the gnome on the ground during an exposition section and just have this <laughs> this 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 darling little fantasy <laughs> fantasy runt grinning stupidly at everybody is it wrong that I uh, imagine Gordon Freeman carrying the gnome on his chest like that guy in uh, The Hangover with the baby? <laughs> well, heck, it's uh, like uh, it's like Willow, you know, Val Kilmer with uh, <laughs> with Warwick Davis. All right, can I ask you? Do you feel more connection to the gnome or to the um, companion cube from Portal? That's an interesting question. Uh, I actually felt that with Portal, it was a response intended for someone, someone else. And even though I loved the game, I, I, I didn't have a strong and emotional response to the to the cube. I like mm. the I like the gnome. Yeah, because I never got the companion cube thing. The the amount of fuss that people online were making about it, I thought eventually the companion cube would like end up talking to you or or something. Because I just couldn't understand why people were expressing such love for this, you know, just this kind of wacky segment. Um, and this, this <laughs> Because they want to you... be cool. That's why. Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I actually have a deeper the connection to... lie, too. James. Just acknowledge yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, I, I realize that's cool and the, the whole ending theme song, the Still Alive song. But yeah, the Companion Cube, I didn't really get. I mean, I'm quite a... I consider myself quite a speedy gamer, so I, you know, blew through that segment and probably only spent, I don't know, about five, ten minutes probably with the Companion Cube, and I was like, okay, well, I don't get all the fusses about, so... You have yeah. no heart, clearly. It's just, <laughs> just one of those things. With a heart on it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys realize, yeah. but... <laughs> it's a box with a heart. What's not to love, Right. Yeah, I, I think it was a good idea. Obviously, it was a phenomenon and had uh, retail merchandising value. No, it definitely, <laughs> it definitely. I had, may or may not have companion cube fuzzy dice for my car. Nice. We already know, we already know you love the companion cube, so just let's just get past this. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I just didn't have a response to to some of the the aspects of Portal that, that to me felt a little forced. Not 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 and not to unduly criticize Portal because it had a huge impact. I I am now, curious I to see that if to, for me Portal actually I, I think affected me a lot more strongly than Half Life ever has, and I think it's really that it was a newer game and was more polished. But yeah. um, that's that's just wanted to chime that in. It was Maybe an interesting you- blend of. The idea of Portal, which was, of course, uh, these two students who were eventually hired by Valve, and Valve's obsession with movable objects and sentry guns. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, the 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 Portal device is obviously uh, a uh, a successor to the gravity gun. It's just yeah. it is interesting to see that uh, that evolution of uh, of thought. Mm. I was just um, wondering, like, if I spent the whole game with the companion cube, maybe it would have, uh, like the gnome, maybe I would have had more of an attachment. Um, as, uh, don't, don't force know, it, seems- it, James. I think if you force it, you know, it's not the same. Well, maybe I have like to burn little- him, so... You can't I make can't. it love montage. you. You needed, like, a montage of, like, going to the beach and having a picnic <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Oh, yeah. shopping for, for plates. Or even if it was just more useful in the game. I mean, I think in fiction we 
can it's easier to get attached to characters in say a long-running tv series um you know over longer periods of time i was just wondering if i don't know maybe with the yeah the gnome could have been um sort of it could have been the same thing with the cube if as the gnome but never mind just a thought yeah i, I think the gnome just had uh, a, a narrower appeal but i i suppose that the the issue of Portal and how it had varying uh, reactions begs the question of what Portal 2 will be like. Will it be a parody, almost, of the original? Will it be the kind of sequel that attempts to repeat the the uh, freshness of the original and fails? We'll yeah, see. I mean, Portal 1 was practically a parody of itself, mm. and to a certain extent. I mean, I, I, I think I would compare it to the, uh, the Austin Powers games in a certain way, that... Um, you have a game that's parodying a movie that itself never really took itself that seriously, the James Bond films. You know, they were always supposed to be over the top. And uh, I, I sort of feel the same way about Portal, that you can't take it seriously, but at the same time, it's just great sci-fi fun. Speaking of popular games, let's go the other way and talk about Rock Band 3. Yeah, so obviously Rock Band 3 came out a few weeks ago. Um, it's always a game... Um, it, close to my heart and I just wanted to discuss some of the kind of recent goings on uh, with the rhythm game genre because um, if you believe some recent news articles it's uh, in a steep decline um, In here in the UK when Rock Band 3 came out it charted at a, a measly 26th place in its opening week which uh, is not good by anyone's standards. Um, and um, Warriors of Rock, the uh, latest Guitar Hero game, also uh, seriously underperformed from uh, last year's edition. So a lot of people are, again, kind of sounding the death knell for the genre. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts, you guys' thoughts on that um, in light of that news. I mean, this we can... Use this as kind of a follow-up to the one-liner that I, I did for the site back in March. Um, I basically asked the same question, and from all the comments we got, it seemed like most people were still um, pretty into uh, the likes of Rock Band and Guitar Hero. But I mean, what what are your guys' thoughts on the matter now after this after this news has come out? To me, the problem has always been one of sustainability because people buy these freaking plastic instruments, you know, for two, three hundred dollars for their starter sets, you know, for Rock Band or Guitar Hero or whatever. Once they buy that, they don't want to buy the game anymore. And I would almost feel that a smarter move for harmonics or uh, who's now in charge of developing Guitar Hero? I can't remember. Um, uh, oh, Vicarious is it? Vicarious Visions. Vicarious Visions does one version. Um, the guys that did the original Tony Hawk do the other, I think. But um, if if they basically made their game a platform in the same way that iTunes is a platform and then simply looked to song sales as the revenue stream, I think they'd do a lot better. Yeah. Um, if I was able to purchase a single client, a rock band client that updated for free, but then would let me download any song I wanted to, heck, shrink the size of the, uh, the library that ships in the disc if you want to do that. I, I think that the, the one way to make this sustainable would be to really, really go for the throat on downloads. You know, make that the, the, the crux of the, uh, of the product. Mm. I mean, Rock Band, that's, that's always been a push of harmonics for Rock Band. Um, I think the reason why we saw such, uh, I think it was a two-year gap between Rock Band 2 and Rock Band 3 was because they didn't want to go the Guitar Hero route and oversaturate the marketplace which is one of the buzzwords that people are using when they're, they're talking about the situation the genre is in um, well that's the thing it's it's not the genre it's it's the development cycle i mm. i would love a, a a great game say every two or three years but do, do people really want to return to a title that has maybe a 10 percent changes uh, uh yeah. you know, minor improvements here and there that's going to cost them money if if purchase wasn't uh an issue if these were like uh say like an mmo um they were they were grandfathered changes and and everything was was all part of the package then maybe people would be interested in it and let's say maybe after 
five, six months, they put the game away, they become excited again when uh, the, the, the year, the anniversary comes around. But uh, I think we can pick any successful series in any kind of media, just pick something like, like Star Wars or Halo games, would the audience that went absolutely out of its mind the first time or the second time be as uh, uh, receptive to it were something to come out almost every year, year yeah. after year after year. Yeah, I don't understand why publishers feel that such a drive. Uh, Activision in particular is, I mean, when they're publicly saying that their goal is to come out with a new title and a particular franchise annually, how, how does that possibly excite a user base? I think it doesn't. And I, I, think, doesn't. I think in years to come, they're going to look back at this era as the... The, the the folly of corporations trying to treat video games like car models. Right. Thinking that, mm-hmm. that they have to come around every year and, and milk something, realizing, perhaps with hindsight, that creativity and the, the appeal of that creativity simply can't, can't survive the kind of repetition that this development cycle demands. You clearly haven't seen the new Chevy Malibu. <laughs> Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh, how much blame do you think we can point at Activision themselves Um, a a particular company probably not much I think it's I think this is industry wide exactly this is this is what big companies with deep pockets and these unimaginable grossing IPs do and what I don't understand is this. You just have to do the math. What earns the company more? If you can convince a player to download $5 worth of tracks once a week, or if you convince them to buy a new $60 game once a year. Um, I mean, clearly people are probably more willing to spend $5 weekly to expand their library than they are to spend that $60 in one chunk year on, year out, even though it's less money. Um that's what I don't understand. To me, to me, it just makes sense that the drive is downloads. It is not retail game. Yeah, I think these games are unfortunately caught in between this vice. One side, you've got novelty. If I'm already playing it and, and you haven't completely changed the game, which has its own problems, I'm not necessarily going to be inclined to, to buy it again. But at the same time, maybe you've succeeded so well in the design of the, the prior game that I don't feel that I need to replace it right now. A good example would be uh, Modern Warfare 2. Black Ops sounds fun, and I do take seriously statements that apparently the multiplayer renders Modern Warfare 2's modern player as obsolete, but I just don't feel like I want to jump into another game. Um, Not nearly the same way that I felt about, say, Halo 2 to Halo 3, which was a span of three years, which seems to me a much more natural uh, delay. Right. The same thing happened to what was the, uh, the game between, between the two modern warfare world at war, you know, people picked it up, but you know, it, it, there wasn't the, the demand to play because people were still perfectly enthused by modern warfare, the original, um, you know, from the sales figures, I don't know if it's going to be quite the same situation with, uh, with the new game, but time will tell. Yeah. And I think, I think there's lasting damage that's done. Now, on one hand, you're probably going to cut into your sales because of what I've just mentioned, what we all have mentioned, just the the normal market realities. But consider that perhaps you are contributing to this public perception of ubiquity. It's everywhere. It's not new anymore. Maybe there is such a thing as surfeit, and people just get disgusted because there's too damn much of it. It's... It's it's tough to tell. I mean, myself being quite a big rock band fan, I will buy pretty much every version they put out. Um, but I have uh, sort of friends who pl- to play with regularly. Um, I'm and I'm really not convinced that many people who play uh, guitar and rock band ever really get um, you know the whole group together, like four players plus together, to do these things. I still think um, most uh, happy with the 
the packs with the just the game and the guitar, and they you know occasionally play it by themselves. So I reckon um, the genre hasn't quite taken off um, because most people don't play together and buy all the instruments together. Right, and particularly a rock band, it is. It's such a social experience. I, since yeah. uh, my roommates have moved out, I, I don't play it nearly as much as I used to. Um, but, you know, when they were here, good Lord, two or three times a week, you know, they, they, they weren't even gamers. And, hey, let's play rock band. That's awesome. You know, it, it's the sort of game that will get people off a couch. And, you know, you're, you're, you're right. I think that not everyone has ever experienced it that way. Mm. Um. I do just want to point out as well, out of the, the news articles um, of the reports of uh, Rock Band 3 charting at um, 26, uh, I tried to look up the, uh, like the Rock Band 3 figures for the US, um, but they're normally uh, published by the NPD group who do um, their uh, reports monthly. So I couldn't find a, you know, a comparison to see if that's being mirrored in the US too. Um, but what I will say is that uh, in the UK, um, they are not great at advertising uh, the rock band series. Um, uh, the CEO of Harmonix, um, in an article the other week, actually said, expressed his disappointment that rock band's never quite taken <coughs> off in the UK and Europe as much as the US. Um, so, and yeah, I know for a fact that the shops after the. Um, the poor sales of uh, Warriors of Rock and the, the peripherals that came with that, the new guitar, they chose to stock very uh, little number of copies of Rock Band 3 and, uh, and the, the instruments for Rock Band 3, like the keyboard. So just as a kind of caveat to the, the Rock Band 3 sales stories, that there was kind of extra factors, I, I reckon, that uh, meant Rock Band 3 didn't even chart in the top 20. Um, but uh, I guess at the end of the month we'll, we'll see how well it fared in uh, the US and then we can hopefully be able to see a, a bigger picture of uh, just if um, if the you know we really are in this uh, point of saturation for these type of games well we hope you've enjoyed this as much as we have we will be back with another podcast so take care and stay tuned Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? You're like, yes. <laughs> 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 Brought her robot, Mister. <laughs> 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 <laughs>